So 1 Kings 19, if you want to turn there, um, our theme scripture has been John 10, 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Father, we thank you for your word this time together. Again, we thank you for these precious children, Lord God, just my brothers and sisters that are here today. Lord, speak to us as we're in your word, as we conclude this series today. We, we do want to live the extraordinary life, and though, Lord, we know we can only do it with your help. So I know that you, Lord God, are going to help us, help me as I speak this morning to make it clear. Give us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In week one, Pastor Todd talked about living the grace-filled life. And then in week two, he talked about winning the invisible battle. Week three, he talked about having a healthy soul. Week four, he also talked about developing perseverance. And then last week, he spoke on living to give, live to give. And he said that generosity allows you to live an extraordinary life. I just want to encourage you, as always, if you missed any of these, you can go to uh, our app or our website podcast and catch up on any of these services. And as well, many of y'all know, we also uh, live stream at the first service as well on Facebook. So uh, if you're not able to be here, you can check. As a matter of fact, one of my daughters is home sick this morning. My wife got here and told me that she was she was watching the service online while she was home, uh, her and my son. So, all right. So see, I want to I want to conclude this series this morning. What I would call a little unorthodox. As Pastor Ty's been talking about extraordinary living, some of you here may have been listening to these messages and, and every message you've heard, you've, you've, um, maybe been encouraged by it. Maybe you've agreed with, with it or the majority of it. And maybe you've even begun to put some of these things in practice that Pastor Todd has been talking about. But maybe you're not able to do these things because you feel stuck. You ever felt stuck in your life? You ever felt like you was in a place where you were just stuck? Maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, maybe mentally, maybe physically. You know, there was a man in the Bible named Elijah. He was a prophet that was already living an extraordinary life, doing what God had created and called him to do. But then he got stuck. You know, there's a, there, there's a great story, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible in 1 Kings 18. And I'm just going to summarize it because I really want to read chapter 19. And Elijah was on, on a mountain and he challenged the prophets of Baal. And in one day, with God's help, he wiped out 850 idolatrous prophets. And then he also ended a three and a half year nationwide drought with one prayer. Wouldn't you say that was a good day? If, if, if he went home like, honey, how was your day today? I would say it was pretty awesome, right? That was an amazing day. And one day, all of that, God used him to do all of that. And so after such an extraordinary event, let's read about what happened right after. And I'm going to read quite a few verses. I'm going to read 1 through 16 to give you the full gist. I heard one pastor say, like, listen, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. So if you've been, you know, slacking on your Bible time, I'm helping you catch up right here, okay? All right, 1 Kings 19, 1 through 16. When Ahab got home, he had told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed the prophets of Baal. Let me pause. I forgot to say this. The first verse, Ahab was the king of Israel at the time, and Jezebel was his wife. So King Ahab, this is the king of Israel, went home and told his wife Jezebel everything that, that we just talked about happened. So Jezebel sent this message to, sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you've killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. 
Then when he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Isn't that crazy? Just having this extraordinary supernatural event take place. And he says, man, I'm no better than my ancestors. He, was, he wasn't in a good place. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and, he, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Zionai the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of Japhath, to be from the town of Abel Mahala to replace you as prophet. As, an inc as incredible of a, of a victory that Elijah just had, why in the world would the very next moment he pray to die? This is the reason why, I believe, because he was stuck. He was stuck. Just as I asked, we all get stuck in life. Even after such an incredible victory, Elijah got stuck. So today, as I conclude this this series, again, you may be feeling stuck. And if you're not, maybe you're on the mountaintop right now. I want you to hold this message close or maybe email it to yourself after because, you know, we all go through low times in life. And I just want to encourage you. You know, you may not be able to feel like you're, you're, you can live the extraordinary life. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you. Uh, I know this is not proper grammar, but I hope when you leave here today, you get unstuck. Okay. Today, I want to encourage you that you don't have to stick to being stuck. Let me say that again. Don't stick to being stuck, okay? Let's look at the source of Elijah's downward spiral and how he got there. And these things cause us to get stuck as well. Number one, he reacted out of fear. 1 Kings 9, 13. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Rather than a warm reception after a spectacular victory and a hope for repentance, starting with the royal house of Israel, Elijah faced a death threat. See, fear is the voice telling you it's over. It's all over. I'm done. When you get news, like he got news that, that, that basically the, the wicked first lady of the nation, Jezebel, was going to kill him, 
He said, it's all over with. I'm done. If you stop and think about this, like he just called down fire from heaven. Again, if you're not familiar with the details of that story, I encourage you to go to 1 Kings 18 and read it. He literally called down fire from heaven. When he prayed it, immediately the fire from heaven came down, consumed this whole altar, the animal, all the water around it in a trench. And then right after that, he prayed. It had not rained a drop in three and a half years. And then he prayed and it started raining. So I understand she was a powerful woman, but you wonder, man, wouldn't you think that, that he would trust the Lord, that the Lord would deliver him just what he had did? But he responded in fear. He said, it's all over with. In your life, perhaps it's a report about the company you worked for. Maybe your health. I've prayed with a couple of people after the first service about their health. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your children, as James mentioned, that needs to come home to the Lord. It needs to restore a relationship with you. Or maybe something you heard on the news. Come on, you, you can watch the news for five minutes and you can have fear, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. You proceed to fill in the blanks in your mind and suddenly you feel like the deck is stacked against you. It's over. I'm done. But let me encourage you. It's never as bad as it appears. Get perspective. Put God in the middle of your equation. Listen, when it comes to fear, nothing that you fear is 100% sure. Some of y'all don't believe that. Nothing that you fear is 100% sure. Well, Brandon, but this is the report. This is the medical report. Do we still believe that with God all things are possible? Do you still believe that God's a miracle-working God? We recently had a whole series on, on miracle moments, how Jesus does miracles. Pastor Terry came and preached on miracles. So even if you get a bleak report, let's say, from the doctor, from your company, it's still not 100% sure that that's going to happen. When you put God in the equation, right? See, when you put fear in the equation, you subtract God out of it. Let me say it that way. When you put fear in the equation, you subtract God out of it. So we react in fear. That, that, that'll get us stuck. Number two, we isolate ourselves. And this is probably the worst, guys and gals, brothers and sisters. We isolate ourselves. Look what, look what Elijah did. First Kings 13, 3 and 4. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under the solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors who've already died. When we're in a bad place in life, we often isolate ourselves, and this only makes things worse. It only makes things worse. Listen, it's hard enough to go through the wilderness of life already, much less trying to go through it alone. We were never intended to walk through this life alone. That's what's so important about the body of Christ. That's why we're always encouraging you to get involved in a life group. Because we understand that you're going to go through wildernesses, valleys, heartache, all the things we've been praying and singing about, now talking about. Do not isolate yourself. If you're stuck right now, you need to get people around you. You need to reach out. Start today by reaching out to one of us after the service. If you're stuck, do not isolate yourself. Think about it. I think pretty much everybody in here, if you've driven a vehicle for any amount of time, either you or somebody you was with, you have got a vehicle stuck in the mud, right? You ever got stuck in the mud or stuck in a ditch? Think about this. If you're truly stuck, it doesn't matter how hard you press on the accelerator, if you put it in reverse, and if you change, if you turn the wheel one way or another, if you stuck, you stuck. And if you stuck and can't get out, what, what do you have to do? You get, you call somebody to come pull you out, right? Somebody has to pull 
you out of the mud. And you may think, man, I got this. I, I didn't have it in my nose, but I thought about the first service and Tanya was over there laughing at me because her and Pastor Todd was on this fishing trip. We went on a fishing trip, me and, 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 and my father-in-law with Pastor Todd and Tanya, and he just got a brand new truck, four-wheel drive and everything. We launched the boat. He told me to go park. I said, man, you want to park on the road? He said, no, go park over here by these trucks. And as I'm pulling in, I can see the grass is wet. And sure enough, it didn't take long. I got his truck stuck. And I was like, man, and I was like, well, I didn't want to get on it and really mash in the gas. He had the boat trailer. I didn't want to jackknife brand new, beautiful three-quarter ton truck. I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I, I had to go humbly like, uh, hey, CJ, can you, um, I, I got your truck stuck. So he jumped in there and he almost got it. Four-wheel drive and everything. He almost got it out, but he was still stuck. And he still had to get somebody to come and pull him out. Thank God I dodged a bullet. Too. He wasn't mad at me. He was mad at the street tires. He said, I'm going to put some mud tires on this thing when we leave here. You know, so I, I, I dodged one. But my point is, even when you got four-wheel drive, so to speak, in life, and everything looks good and new and powerful, when you're stuck, you're still stuck. You need somebody to come and pull you out. Don't isolate yourself. Number three, another reason we, we might get stuck is just we are, let ourselves get exhausted. We let ourselves get exhausted. Listen, when you're physically tired, you get mentally tired as well. It may be that you've only had a few hours of sleep for a week or two. Maybe you've been working 10, 12, 14 hour days, nonstop project maybe around the house. And you could be ready to throw in the towel on your whole life after a few weeks like that. Like, man, I'm just done, right? When you're tired, it's just mountains seem higher to climb. I'll mention this too. We go to conferences at least once a year. We go to church leadership conferences. And man, we hear some amazing stuff. But at the end of two or three days, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Man, this sounds great, but I'm too tired to do any of this. You know, I'm like, I'm, and then, but once I get home and get rested and go back over my notes and we debrief and talk about it, like, man, this is awesome. We can do this. But in a moment when you're tired, it seems like there's no way I'm going to be able to do all that, you know? But we just need to get some rest. Look at 1 Kings 19, 5 and 8. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bre bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Listen, the angel of the Lord provided Elijah with precisely what he needed at the moment. And you know what he needed? A couple good meals and a couple of naps. You see that? He told him, hey, get up. Here's some bread. Eat. And then he went back to sleep. Listen, Pastor Todd says it all the time, and we're going to get into the spiritual aspect of this. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Come on, how many of y'all received that word and said, I would apply this today when I get home? Maybe for some of you, it's going to be after the Saints game, right? I will, I will say, Brandon, I will apply this part of the message. But listen, it's true. He gave Elijah two meals and he took a couple long naps and this snapped him out of his low that he was in. He stood up from the ground and started walking towards the encounter he was having, he was going to have with God. It can be something as simple as this to get you moving again. So here are some other ways to help you start moving again if you feel stuck. Number one, run some diagnostics. Run diagnostics on yourself. As we just talked about, maybe check your diet. Check your sleeping pattern. I mean, go back and like, look, like how many hours of sleep? I pray. A lady came up to me after and said, man, I haven't slept good in years. I need you to pray for me. You know, it could be the, 
the, the way, you know, that, that you're eating, you're not eating enough, you're not eating the right foods, maybe like me, you're eating too much, I don't know, like I, I get this, as like I can get stoned for talking about what you eat in South Louisiana, I understand, but the truth is, is that when we get exhausted, there, there, there's some things that we can do in the natural to help us, and that's one of them, like I said, you're, the way you eat, what you're eating, check your sleep, are you exercising, they can all contribute to a deep, dark funk that you're in. And it can also be the cure of them. Listen, if, you know, I, I, that, again, we're going to get into, of course, it's always going to the Lord. And we're going to talk about that specific. But let's just talk about it. There's a balance of being naturally healthy and spiritually healthy as well. And also emotionally. And the Bible talks about this. Look at Third John 2. It says, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. You see that? He was saying, hey, listen, I know that you got a strong spirit. You're doing good spiritually. So I hope you're doing just as good in your physical health. Are y'all tracking with me? Y'all see this? We got to make sure that, 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 you know, we're, we're doing well physically, emotionally, and spiritually. See, because when you don't feel well physically, it throws everything else off. Isn't that right? Just like when you're tired. You ever been sick? Does anybody feel super spiritual when they're sick? No. I mean, I'm telling you, when you're sick, it's just like, Oh man, I don't feel no more spiritual than the man in the moon. When you're physically down, it's, it's hard to have, you know, a grip on everything else in life. So we need to check that out. Listen, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ty talked about the importance of taking a Sabbath every week. We should take at least one day every week to rest. And, and Jesus talks about that. Mark 2, 27. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. We have a need to rest in order to keep our bodies healthy. Amen? You have to do, this is essential. This is the main reason God put a Sabbath into our daily life and something that we need to do. As, as Pastor Todd said, a man of God said that the Sabbath is the only commandment that Christians are willing to break. We have to make sure we take a day to rest. Matter of fact, that pastor went even further. He said his day off was on Monday, and he had a staff member come up to him and said, Hey, pastor, I know your day, uh, you know, Monday's your day off, but I, I want to know if you can do this. And he said, I said this just to make a point. And he said, Why don't you just ask me to commit adultery while you're at it? And they were like, He was making a point. One of the Ten Commandments is do not commit adultery. So why the commandment to take a Sabbath? It should be just as weighty, right? And why? Because God knows it will help us. We need that. We need rest. We need to, to replenish our body. If, if, if you're stuck, if you're in a low place, it may just be that you're physically exhausted. It may just be that you need to get some rest. Maybe start exercising. Maybe look at your diet. I was, we were, we, you know, we, we have to check our diet sometimes. We were at some friend's house the other night, uh, some pastor friends of ours, they pastor at, at, at another church and, and one of the pastors on their staff was there as well. And we were just kind of talking and, and he was talking about eating one of the other guy and he was saying how he needed to do better at, at, you know, uh, eating earlier and eating a solid lunch. He said, man, like the other day, he said, I stopped and got me three donuts for breakfast. He said, I didn't end up eating them till two o'clock in the afternoon for lunch. How many of y'all know that's not a good diet right there, right? Skip breakfast and eat three donuts at two o'clock for lunch. And of course he laughed about it. He's like, yeah, man, I got to work on that. So, you know, you, how many of y'all know you can't run on three donuts a day for too long, right? You will peter out at some point. So just listen, do some diagnostics, both uh, physically and then emotionally too. If you're constantly down, sad, maybe even depressed, you may need to get some help. 
Of course, the Lord wants to help you. The Lord said he came to heal the brokenhearted. But listen, sometimes you need somebody to walk with you. Listen, we, we offer biblical counseling here at the church. If you need help, come talk to one of us after. Call the church office. Set up a meeting with one of the pastors or one of the elders and, 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 and get some help. And it might even go further. I know for years in, in church and for some people, it, it might still be kind of taboo to talk about this. But I just felt as I was preparing, I need to share this. And, you know, there, there's some great Christian counselors in town. We have one that comes every year, Dudley B Avenue, that we're connected with. And you know what? You might need to get in there with a, with a Christian counselor and say, man, I, I feel stuck emotionally and, 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 and I need some help here. And they'll give you biblical counsel. It's not just some, some worldly psychology or psychiatry. He's going to help you with biblical counsel. There's two or three more that we still, that, that I know about we recommend. So listen, if you're stuck, it might be something physically, it may be emotionally, and of course it could be spiritually. But we need to run some diagnostics, which leads to my next point. If it's not physical, emotional, we know the main thing. Number two is you need to return to God's presence. Because you can have the physical and the emotional getting back on track. But listen, only the presence of God is truly going to transform you. I heard one man of God say this, you know, we can actually change ourselves. We can do things to change, but only God can transform us. What does the Bible say in Romans? Don't be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Only God can truly transform us. And when we're stuck, we're in a place that in, in life, we need to get back into the presence of God. Look at 1 Kings 19, 8, 9. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Mount Sinai in the desert was where Moses received the Ten Commandments in the very presence of God. See, Elijah walked there. You remember, he got the strength. He rested. He ate. Then he got the strength to get up, and he went back into the presence of God. He found a vacant cave, and he went in with no distractions, no cell phone, and no notifications. Right? You know, I think one of the biggest robbers of the presence of God in our life is distractions. We get easily distracted, and again, it's pe a lot of times it's because of the cell phones, the accessibility, the, 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 the tablets, the news, social media, whatever the case may be. When you go to get into the presence of God, you need to shut all of that off. It needs to be some, some undistracted, some full attention time. With the Lord. I want to encourage you. You know, I, even though I'm preaching from my iPad, I still... Read my Bible from a, you know, those paper Bibles with leather, they still work. You can still use them. I, I promise you, they still, and, and for me, I, I can't read my, my Bible on my phone and whatnot because, you know what, I, I'll be distracted. I'll be, you know, I mean, I know I get it, do not disturb airplane mode, you can do that. But still, you might be like, oh, let me go look this up, and before you know it, you get distracted. Get alone with the Lord. Get you a paper Bible. I didn't even say this in the first service, but listen. Get alone with the Lord. Get back into the presence of God. Perhaps you've gotten, you've put God on the shelf during your overstressed and underrested season of life. Has God been put on the shelf during the season? When is the last time you've truly experienced God's presence? Now, some of you in here, you may be new to church. You may be new to Christianity. You may be first time here at all and not exactly sure even what the presence of God is or even as a believer, you might say, okay, Brandon, how do you know if you've been in the presence of God? Well, I believe that Acts chapter 3 and, and verse 20 shows us one of the ways you can know. Acts 3.20 says this, then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. When you begin to get with God and get in the presence of God, you'll feel refreshed in every area we're talking about, mentally, emotionally, emotionally. 
and spiritually. You ever went spend time with the Lord and you walked away like, man, I needed that. That's exactly what I needed, man. I feel better. I feel refreshed. I feel rejuvenated. I feel lighter, right? It might be when you come to church, sometimes you leave like, man, oh, this is what I needed. Being in the presence of God, worshiping, maybe in prayer time, maybe in a prayer meeting, maybe in a life group, you've left feeling refreshed. That's one of the ways you can know that you've been in the presence of God is he will refresh you. So go home to God. Fall in love with him all over again. As I said, if you maybe had a reading plan before in your Bible, pick up that reading plan. Start it reading again. Go in your secret place. Spend that quiet time undistracted with the Lord. Listen, I want to give you a few other little tips what I like to do. You know, listen, even when you're doing things, put on worship music. Like when you're getting ready in the morning. When I'm brushing my teeth and shaving and fixing my hair and doing all that, I like to have worship music on. You know why? Because for me, I feel like even as before I, I get to the office and get away with my time with the Lord, it's like a primer for me, so to speak. You know what I mean? You know, just like you, if you have a, a spray wig or a pressure washer, you have to prime it up, right? You got to get some water or some paint in the line, right, Miss Marie? You got to prime it. Listen, the worship is like you get you priming up your spirit before you even really even get in or into the presence of God and like maybe some focus designated time or maybe when you're in your vehicle maybe turn worship music on look nothing wrong with sports radio or the news and all this stuff but man even sometimes when you're not even paying attention and it's just on you can begin to sense the presence of God increasing in your life it happened again recently where I was going to the hospital to pray for somebody and it was early morning I was going to meet Pastor Todd to pray with somebody and I got in my truck and I had worship music on and when I say the glory of God invaded my truck I stepped out of my truck at the hospital, wiping tears from my eye. Pastor, I was like, you all right, man? I'm like, man, I'm great. You know, like, that, I, that's what I needed. And you know why? You know, you know what I've come to realize, even as I was saying this in the first service? I believe it's because the Lord knows exactly what we need and when we need it. Because there's times I want to go, and I, I mean, I know the Lord wants to always meet us, but there's times I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend this amount of time. I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read. I got a game plan, and I'm just ready for the Shekinah glory to just fill this place and it's like crickets, man. It's like, what, what happened? That's, I, you know, but then there's those moments in, like in my truck where I just feel like the Lord just comes because he knows what we need. And when we, and when that 15 minute truck ride was over, talk about, I felt refreshed. I exactly what I needed to start out my day and just get in the, into the presence of the Lord. And, and, and I love it. We need to do that. Maybe you've been doing all these things, but your motive's been off. You know, recently to just share a little bit in my own personal life, you know, I'm still having my daily prayer time and, and my time with the Lord, but the Lord began to convict me that every prayer time I had was about my, my grocery list of things that I needed. Lord, I need you to do this. Lord, I want you to do this. Lord, can you do this for me? We need that. We need this. And, 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 and it lost this connection of just being with the Lord to be with him and just asking him. And I was already feeling that. And we went off to a conference and a pastor preached on that and it just cut me to the core. And I repented and I just came back and, and, and said, Lord, just help me. I just want to spend time with you because of who you are. Now, the Lord wants us to ask him for things, but you know what? If you're stuck, we're going back to being stuck here. If you're stuck and you feel like you haven't experienced God's presence, next time when you go in your prayer time, don't start out by saying, God, I need this. Say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I just want to be with you today. Do whatever you want to do, Lord. Show me whatever you want to show me. Look at Revelations 2.4. Jesus said this, but I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love. I love how the Amplified explains it. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. Jesus said, you've lost the depth of love that you had for me. And that's what I was sensing. 
Of course, they're like, yeah, of course I love the Lord. And you might say, Brandon, yeah, man, I, you know, but the, that depth of love, like think about, for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, think about what it was like when you first met the Lord. What did you used to do back then? What did you used to, how, how was it when you, I can remember when I first got saved and man, it wasn't about, I was just so thankful that I was saved, that the Lord delivered me from drugs and alcohol and depression. And, and I was just like, man, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm going to heaven and man, Jesus loves me. It wasn't, man, I, I didn't know any scriptures. I probably wasn't praying right, but man, I was snotting up to that play. I was crying and it was great. It was great. It was just cause, you know, I call it my honeymoon stage, right? You have that, that time where everything's just new and fresh. So listen, I want to encourage you. If you're stuck and you need to get back into the presence of God, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, go back and start doing those things that you did before, as Jesus said. And listen, you may not feel anything right away. It might take a while, but it doesn't matter. Don't, don't, don't put pressure on yourself. Don't, don't turn it into something else that's, you know, legalistic or what. Just begin to do those things, and I believe that eventually you're going to begin to experience God's presence in your life, which leads to number three. Then you can begin to listen for God's voice again. As you return to his presence, begin to listen for his voice. Look at 1 Kings 19, 11 and 13. The Lord said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah didn't hear some powerful, magnanimous voice. It was a quiet, low whisper. He could barely hear it. See, God's voice requires silence sometimes because it's so soft to hear. Again, like I said earlier, you got to be quiet and get rid of distractions. It may be a leading. It may be an impression. It may be a thought. It may be a scripture. It may be a key, a key to helping you get out of the dark place that you're in. I love that the first thing God spoke to Elijah was a question. He said, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, you know what God was saying? Why are you stuck, Elijah? He wasn't asking him why he was at the, why are you stuck, Elijah? You see, God knew why he was stuck, and he always knows why we're stuck, too. He asked us those questions so we could know why we're stuck. See, God was beginning a dialogue with Elijah. What are you doing here? He asked us, hey, why are you stuck? He begins this dialogue so we can realize, so we can begin the process, what got us in the place that we're in. Because if you notice, most of the times, you don't just wake up stuck one morning. Right? It's a process. It's a bunch of little things. Sometimes you wake up and you think, how did I get here? Kind of like he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah's probably like, man, I don't even know how I got here. For some of you in here, it might be that way. Man, how did I end up here? I used to have the joy of the Lord. I used to, you know, man, I, I was always, on, you know, wanting to seek the Lord, wanting to do these things. You know, but man, I feel down now. I feel off. How did I get here? The Lord begins to speak to us when we listen to his voice so he can show us why we got stuck, and how to start moving again. You know, if you remember, God asked Adam a similar question in Genesis 3.9. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? God wasn't asking Adam's geographic location. He was asking him, why are you stuck? And this was Adam's reply in Genesis 3.10 and 12. He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. 
You remember the first thing that we said, what we got Elijah where he was? What was it? Fear. He reacted in fear. Look, Adam said the same thing. I was afraid. Got him stuck. And I was, because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Gentlemen, don't ever do that, okay? Just, that's a free one. God was having a dialogue with Adam to show him that he was stuck in shame because of his disobedience. See, Adam got stuck and God was having a dialogue and he said, hey, listen, you disobeyed me. Did you eat of the fruit? Of course. Did God know if he ate of the fruit or not? Yeah, he knew. He was having a dialogue. Did you do what I told you not to do? Well, that's why you stuck. Now you have shame and fear because you did what I told you not to do. He said, you can eat of any other tree except for this tree right here. He wants to speak to us to help us process how we got stuck and what to do to get unstuck. Again, I know that's not proper grammar. Or to start moving again. One more thing about God's voice I've learned over the years. The more you listen for God's voice, the more you recognize his voice. And this was illustrated one Wednesday night to me. It wasn't even up here during the preaching. Years ago, a lot of y'all remember the Daniels. Nick and Emily Daniels were on staff here for years. They moved to Boise, Idaho. I don't remember who was preaching, but I was sitting right around over here where Miss Charlotte was at, and, and Emily and their children were sitting on second or third row right here, Joe, Owen, and, and Olivia. And Pastor Nick must have been meeting with somebody or something, but he came in after worship during the preaching. I don't remember who was preaching, but I just remember sitting there, and I heard Nick say, amen. He said one word. He said, amen. And his oldest son, Joe, immediately turned around and started looking for his dad. He didn't even know his dad had walked in the room, but when his dad said one word, he recognized his father's voice. And he turned around and began to look for him. And I remember that. It's still, as that night, I was like, wow, what a powerful illustration. He knew undoubtedly his father's voice. The more we listen for our father's voice, the more we're going to recognize it. The more you're going to know it. Because the enemy tries to put doubt. You doubt yourself. Mom, was this God? Was this just me? Was this my own opinion, my thought, my desire? The more you listen for God's voice, the more you hear it. And again, you line it up with the word of God. You get, you, if you get a word from God, you line it up with the word. You talk to others. Again, don't go at it alone. But I tell you, it only takes one word from God to get you unstuck. The fourth and final thing, you need to get your next assignment. Get your next assignment. First Kings 19, 15 and 16. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be the king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshah, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel, Mahola, to replace you as my prophet. Elijah heard God tell him to go and participate in the changing of the guard, so to speak. Listen to this. He was coordinating two kings and anointing a young prophet who would be his successor. I don't know if you understand this. This was big stuff. This was strategic world-changing stuff that God gave Elijah to do. He had just defeated 850 idolatrous prophets. He ended a drought. Now, as he got some strength, he rested up. He got back in God's presence. He got a word from the Lord. The fourth and final thing that helped move Elijah out of his stuckness. I know that's not another word, but it just fits. Got him moving. Thank you, sister. I appreciate it. It, it got him moving. He said, hey, this is your next assignment. This is what I want you to do. And Elijah got up and began to move that way. So let me ask you today as we close, what is your next? 
What is your assignment? What is your unique contribution to this, to this planet? Your, your, your passion to accomplish in this lifetime? Why has God put you on this earth? Maybe some of it you've done already. Maybe you've stuck and you need to find out what your next assignment is. Or maybe there's an assignment that's been waiting on you that you haven't done yet. And once you step out and start moving toward that assignment, you start moving again. Your next assignment has the potential to snap you out of your hopelessness. Job was in a very bad place, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. And we see in Job 42, verse 10, it says, Job prayed for his friends, and the Lord made Job successful again. Job prayed for his friends. God told him, go pray for your friends. They're a bunch of knuckleheads. They've been talking about me inaccurately. Go pray for them, and I'm going to begin to bless you. Job went from stuck to successful when he did what the Lord told him to do. Some of you will go from stuck to successful in these areas when you begin to obey the voice of the Lord. When you find out and do what God tells you to do. What's your next assignment? When you discover your purpose, you'll conquer your pit. Let me say that again. When you discover your purpose, you will conquer your pit. That's why we're always encouraging you to find your purpose. We always encourage you to go to next steps. We have next steps again after this service. Listen, guys, again, we don't just do that to give you all something else to do. We want you to find your purpose. Discover your purpose. Our vision here, no God, live free, find your purpose, and then make a difference. Listen, whenever you find your purpose and you begin to make a difference, there's nothing that helps you get moving again in life like helping somebody else. And that's what happened with Job. Maybe you know what your purpose and your next assignment is and you haven't done it yet or you're not doing it now. I just want to encourage you, rise up and get back in the game. So just to recap, to help keep you moving or get you moving if you're stuck, run some diagnostics on yourself, spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Return to God's presence. Listen for his voice and then get your next assignment. Your destiny is waiting for you to fulfill it. And this is extraordinary living. Amen. Amen. If you've been stuck and you're still stuck, the way to start today is to call on the Lord. King David had a few seasons in life when he was stuck. And in Psalm 69, 14, David prayed this, Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink even deeper. Sounds like he was stuck, right? He also prayed this in Psalm 18, 6. I called to the Lord in my distress and I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Then verse 16, he reached down from on high, took hold of me, and he pulled me out of deep waters. David used being in mud as one time when he was stuck, another time being in deep waters. And he knew that the only way I'm going to get out of this is if I call upon the Lord. Do me a favor, bow your head with me, close your eyes right where you sit. Maybe put your pen down or your phone or whatever you're taking notes with. Let's just take the next few minutes. If you say, Brandon, man, you're speaking to me today. I, I feel stuck. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe you feel depressed. Maybe it's spiritually, man. Maybe you've been trying to get into the presence of God, but it's just something. There's a wall there. You just feel stuck. You want to live an extraordinary life. You want to do all these things Pastor Todd's been talking about. And you've been even trying, but you say, man, I'm just stuck. I want to pray for you today, but I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to cry out to the Lord right where you had this morning. Come on, I want you to begin to pray as I pray for you. Lord, I pray for all of these that feel stuck this morning. 
that feel like, Lord, they, that they can't get out of the pit they're in, the ditch they're in, the mud, the deep waters, whatever it is that they're feeling, Lord, I pray that today you would set them free just as we sang about freedom. And Lord God, today I know that you want to set them free as they cry out to you, Lord God. I pray that you would help them and that you would deliver them. In Jesus' name, we want to help you too. If you need help, further help, please come down to the altar after service. We want to pray with you. We want to try to get you some further help. Now, with every head bowed and every eye still closed, I just want to say this. Until you get saved, you will stay stuck. Until you get saved, you'll stay stuck. What do I mean? There may be some people in here today that you don't even know the law. When I talk about going back to God's presence and hearing God's voice, you've maybe never experienced any of that before. Maybe you've never started a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're new to church and, and you say, man, I, I'm not even sure about all this. Have you ever thought about if today was your last day on earth, where would you spend eternity? The Bible makes it clear. It would either be heaven or be hell. We prayed for a lot of people that are in the hospital right now. Miss Katie got in a car accident. Thankfully, she's okay. But what if that would have ended? She's a born-again believer. We know she would be in glory. Do you know? If you die today, do you know where you would spend your eternity? Have you been stuck and you know it's because of the sin in your life? Jesus said this in Matthew 121, or the Bible says, And she will have a son, speaking of Jesus, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Maybe you say, Brandon, I know I have sin in my life, and I've never asked the Lord to forgive me, but I want to come clean today. And I want to be forgiven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, that's me. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to experience God's presence. I want you to just slip up your hand for me. And I want to pray for you. If that's you, I see your hand, young man. See hands over here going up. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Hands over here. Thank you, Jesus. Hands in the back. Going up all over the auditorium. Thank you. Over here on, on this side. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray with you. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is say, uh, that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. I want you to pray with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. And I thank you for dying for me. Lord, I repent of my sin. And I ask that you forgive me. Give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. I'll make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we give these a round of applause and rejoice with them. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you give your life back to Christ, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. Fill that card out. Go to the lobby and then full center and drop it off. Why don't you stand up with me? Let me just pray a blessing over you as you go today. Lord, I thank you that you want us to keep moving that you're the God of movement, Lord God, and you want us to keep moving forward. Lord, if there's anybody in here again, Lord God, that came in here stuck, I pray that they would leave in here, leave from here moving, set free, Lord, desiring their, Lord God, to be in your presence, to hear your voice in their next assignment. Bless them as they go. Be with them in a great and mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. If y'all need prayer for anything, are you struggling today? Come down and get prayer. We want to help you out. God bless you.